Uh, we're going to look at one verse in Matthew chapter 1, but we're going to read from verse 18 to 25, and then we're going to think about one phrase in verse 23. So Matthew chapter 1, and we'll read verse from verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her son. And, she, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Amen. As you get older, the years go by quicker and quicker and quicker, don't they? Um, it doesn't seem two minutes since last Christmas. It's already six days since Christmas, and we're heading into 2024. Um, I didn't think the kids were with us today, but kids, when you got your presents Christmas morning, who went downstairs and opened them all on their own? Anyone? What did you do? Did you go to your mum and dad's room, or you go to family's room or something, and you open them all together? Us as adults, um, do we... Do we just go in and open all our presents on our own, or do we want to do it all together? We want to do it together, don't we? Um, I quite like being on my own. I like to just do my own thing sometimes, but I like to be with my family at Christmas. I like to be with my family at New Year. I don't want to spend it alone. Because when, when there's something big in our lives, when there's something good in our lives, we want to share it with people we love, don't we? Now, this Christmas week, is the first Christmas week in 21 years that we haven't had Leah with us, my daughter. Uh, she's in Australia for a year. Um, if you, if you, if, actually, if you watch on the TV today and you look at Sydney Harbour, underneath the, underneath the harbour there's four boats and she's pressing the lights on one of them so you'll be able to see her. Um, but we've really, really missed having her with us. Um, we're, we're so close to her. We, we FaceTime, it's been brilliant. We FaceTime Christmas Day, we FaceTimed yesterday. Uh, it, it's been lovely but it's not the same as having her with us. Uh, being with somebody you love, especially Christmas and especially at New Year, it's lovely. <laughs> and as wonderful as it is being with people that you love and seeing people that you love, as wonderful as that is, the opposite's true, isn't it? When there's people you're missing, when there's people who aren't around the table, when there's people who maybe don't speak to you or when there's people who passed away. Because we want to be with those that we love. Now, 
Throughout the Bible, there's loads of beautiful titles given to the Lord Jesus. He's called our saviour, our redeemer, our friend, our shepherd, our king. Loads and loads of titles. But the one that acts as an umbrella over all them titles is the one we're going to look at this morning. We're just going to focus in on, on a few words or one phrase from verse 23. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That title, Emmanuel, God with us. We've got a God who's completely and utterly committed to his people. He's, he's committed, everything about our lives is committed to. I just want to, I want to explore that this morning a little bit and comfort you with it. If you're a Christian, if you've asked Jesus to, to forgive your sins, if you've taken him as your Lord, then you'll never, ever be alone. God is with you. One of the encouragements I've had this year in my own devotional life, it's not that I've been um, uh, had a fantastic devotional life, but, but one of the encouragements I've had is to understand more about who God is, about the person of God. Not so much what he does, although that's amazing, but who he is. We, we sometimes sing the hymn at our church, I don't know whether you've seen it, I saw a new vision of Jesus, a view that I'd not seen before. And it's, it's, it, what, what the point he's making is, is he sees something about Christ that's new to him. Now, I've been a Christian 30 odd years. And I see something more and more, I've seen something more and more this year about a part of the Lord Jesus or a part, part of the Godhead that has really encouraged me. And it's how he wants to have a relationship with me. And I don't think that's wishy-washy. I don't think it's, it's wet. It's, it's powerful. I've been reading a beautiful book. It's called Friendship with God. And it's been really encouraging because he's it, it, looking about how God is holy. God is all-powerful. God is just. God is righteous. God is perfect. But he's all those things, if we're Christians, he's all those things to us in love. It says, doesn't it, his banner over us is love. Everything that God is to us as Christians is those things in love. Now, I've, I've struggled with that in the past because at my worst, I know that God's committed to me. I know that if I put my trust in him, he will keep me and get me to heaven. But I think he must be so fed up of me. He must be so fed up of thinking, listen, I, I am an idiot. I do stupid things and I, I think I'm not going to do that again and I do it again. And I think, Lord, you must be so fed up of me. And I think to myself, okay, so I understand the gospel. He's promised never to lose me. He's committed to me. He loves me. But it's like a begrudging contractual obligation. They say, well, I promised to save him. I better get him there. That's not how the Lord loves us as his people. His banner over us. Everything that he is to us. Is because he loves us. Everything that he does for us is out of love. And I want to explore, explore that a little bit today by looking at three things. I've nicked these from Scrooge. Um, but we're going to look at Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. Or we can even just look at the past, the present, the future. But think first of all, think what does it mean for God to be with us in the past? Think of a, a time before time. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, think before there were a universe... Before there were time, before there were a creation, before anything existed, there were God. God's eternal. He's always been. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? You think, well, when, when did he begin? He, he must have begun somewhere. No, he didn't. He's always been. 
the all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing God. What would God do in before there were anything? Was he bored? No. Was he lonely? No. Was he twiddling his thumbs, thinking, I, 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 need, I need people to worship me, to give me some sense of worth? No. God existed perfectly, in perfect harmony, in perfect joy, in perfect fulfilment, Father, Spirit, Son. He had need of nothing. It's good that we worship him. It's essential. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't need it to be God. Everything that were ever needed existed perfectly in the Godhead. So why did he bother making us? This, this God, not out of loneliness, not out of need, purely he wanted to share the love that's in the Trinity with the people. And so he creates all things. From before eternity, the God who needs nothing has wanted to share his love with us. God's eternal plan is to have a people to dwell with him because he loves us. And we think, well, he can't love me. He must be fed up with me. No, he loves you. If, you. if you're a Christian, he loves you. He never gets fed up with you. And so what does God do to, to be Emmanuel, to be God with us? He creates the universe. He creates the earth. He creates the animals. He creates the oceans. He creates the lands. And finally, as a massive expression of his love, his masterpiece, he creates humans, Adam and Eve. And what's one of the first things that God does after he's created Adam and Eve? What does he do with Adam? He walks with him in the garden. Emmanuel, God with Adam. He walks with him, his friend. I wonder what they talked about. But see, God's desire from eternity has been to dwell with his people. So he creates Adam and he creates Eve. So he's got people to dwell with him. Not because he needs it, because he's love. Imagine the friendship that Adam must have had with the Lord. Imagine what they used to talk about on them walks. We know what happened, don't we? Adam and Eve reject God's friendships. They know better. And they're banished from Eden. And God no longer walks with man. Emmanuel's. God's not with them. But he makes a promise before he banishes them, doesn't he? He says, one day, one of your descendants is going is to come and he's going to bring humanity back to dwell with God. He's going to deal with sin so ultimately we can be together again. And we know how the story goes, don't we? The rest of the Old Testament is waiting for that one to come who's going who's to rescue humanity, who's going to bring humanity back to God. And one of the refrains continued through the Old Testament as God deals with his people, he says, I will be with you, or I am with you. He says it to Moses, he says it to Joshua, he says it to David, he says it all the way through, I am with you. I wonder if you make the same mistake when you pray that I do. Do you ever pray, Lord, be with them? Lord, be with so-and-so. We shouldn't. Lord, let so-and-so know that you're with them. Because he's always with us. Don't, don't feel bad if you like I do it all the time. When God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt, he says, I'm with you. How does he show it? He has a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke that, that follows them, that shows this is a symbol of my presence with you. This is, so, this is so you don't need to worry. You know that I'm with you. And then they come to the wilderness, don't they? And in the wilderness, God's people live in tents for 40 years. And they had no permanent home. And so guess what the Lord says? He says, build me a tent as well. We know that God can't be contained in a tent, don't we? It fills the universe. That the tabernacle, that the tent that God had to Adam build in the wilderness, it is to show them he is with his people. And his presence rested wherever they 
but the tabernacle. It's, I think it's amazing. God's people are in the world. Why are God's people in the wilderness? Because of the sin, because they've been idiots. Because they're rebellious. Why don't God just leave them to it? But even in the wilderness, he feeds them every day. He clothes them. And he says, I'm going to dwell with my people. In Exodus 25, verse 8, you've got the Lord instructing Moses. He says, let them make me a sanctuary. Let them make me a tent so that I can dwell with them. They're stunning words, aren't they? One writer says, he says, this is more than we can believe. He says this about these verses. This is how it is with the Lord. His desire and his craving for his people never flags. And you look at Exodus 25 and you say, say to the Lord, but Lord, it's a wilderness. Lord, they're, they're ex-slaves. Lord, they're rebellious. And the Lord says, yeah, but they're my people. And where my people are, that's where I'll be. And his people are on the, the way to a home. And he's on his way with them. And when the people settle, he'll settle. And so what happens is when, when God brings people to the permanent home, what, do they, what does he have them do? He says, now build me a permanent home, build me a temple. Not because he needs a home to stay in, it's a symbol of his presence with them. They've settled, so God says, right, I'll settle. I want you to know I'm with you here, so build a temple. And we know how it comes to ultimate fruition, don't we? John says, and the word became flesh, and he dwelt amongst us. The ultimate expression of God's love, the word, the one that spoke creation into being, he comes to live amongst us. He's the one that's going to bring us back to God, <laughs> promised to Adam and Eve. The ultimate expression, isn't it, of God with his people is Jesus. And so when we think about Christmas, when we think about the incarnation, it's amazing. The God who needed nothing, the God who created everything, the God who's holy, the God who's, who's beyond a tent, beyond a temple, took on a human body. He was born. He lived a real life. We looked at this the other week at our church. Jesus lived a fully human life. He didn't cheat. When he was tired, he slept. When he was hungry, he ate. When he was sad, he cried. He loved people, healed people, taught people, lived for people, died for people, rose for people. He lived this righteous life that we need. He paid for our sins so that his righteousness can, can become ours. Our sins can be counted as his. And one, once again, without compromising his holiness, God can dwell with his people. So that's the past. That's the longest point, actually. That's the past. From eternity past, God's had a desire to dwell with his people. And 2,000 years ago, God became man to dwell with us. So Christmas present or the present, what can we say now? Is the Lord with us now? We live in a, it's a strange time, isn't it? Because if you were being theological, you'd call it the now and not yet. That Jesus has won our deliverance, Jesus has won eternity for us, Jesus has paid for our sins, Jesus has defeated death, but we still sin, we still die. And so it's, it's kind of now, he's done it now, but it's not, we haven't yet experienced the fullness of it, have we? That'll be in heaven. So what about now? How is, how is Jesus with us now? As, as you go out now and go home, how is Jesus with you and how is he with you? Because Jesus has returned to heaven now, hasn't he? And yet we're told he's still with us. Jesus said to his disciples, he says, I'm going to send a comforter, the Holy Spirit. 
Now, this sounds, this sounds big, and it is big, but we can't understand it. The role of the Holy Spirit now, he's got loads of roles, but his main role is to mediate the presence of Christ to us. Now, that means this, that we can be sensible of God's presence with us. We can be sensible of Jesus' presence with us because he sent us his spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does, or what Christ does through the Holy Spirit is he comforts us. He teaches us. That's how we can hear the Bible preach and we can understand it. He assures us of God's love for us. He gives us power so that when we're facing sin or when we're struggling with your sin, he gives us the power to, to overcome it. He gives us comfort. He tells us as, as Christians, he'll never leave us or forsake us. God's with us, dwelling with us through the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm thinking how I can explain that. And I, we can't properly explain things like this without being a her heretic. So when I explain this, this is an illustration. It's not a perfect example. So don't say, well, that don't match and that don't match. I know it don't match. It's an illustration. But remember Leah. Here's my Leah and she's in Australia. Can't see her. Can't speak to her. Can't touch her. Because she's thousands of miles away. But to a degree, Leah's presence can be mediated to me. It can be mediated to me in my living room. I can press a button and I can see her thousands of miles away. I can press a button and in real time I can talk to her. It's awesome, isn't it, that what you can do? Now, if you took someone from 200 years ago and, and you put them in our living room, as we spoke to Leah yesterday, or as we spoke to her on Christmas Day, and actually what's happening is after the service now, we've got to go out and speak to her again because she wants to speak to us for New Year. We can do it. We can see her. It's amazing. If I brought someone from 200 years ago and showed them that, they'd think it was some kind of witchcraft. How much more does the Holy Spirit mediate Christ's presence to us? It's real that Jesus really is with us. He's in heaven praying for us. He's in heaven ruling the universe, but by his spirit, he's with us. He's with us personally. He's with us here as a church. That's why it's so important you commit to meeting as a church, because that's where he meets with us to bless us. He's with us when we hear preaching. He's with us when we read our Bible. He's with us when we pray. He's with us when we have fellowship. We're so thankful, aren't we, for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is in no way inferior to the Father or the Son. But his main role on earth is to mediate Jesus' presence to his people. And so if you're a Christian, you go home this morning, and you might not feel it, you might not see it, but you need to know that he is with you always. Everything you ever face is with you. Well, there's one more thing, isn't there? There's the future. So let's come back to Leah. It's wonderful being able to have Leah's presence mediated to us through FaceTime. It's wonderful to know that at any moment, even if I have to wake her up, I can phone her or video call and I can speak to her face to face. I can see it. it's lovely. It's going to be so much better when we physically with her. It's going to be so much better when I pick her up from the airport and I see her like I see you and I hug her and I smell her and I talk to her and I kiss her. Paul talks about this world and the blessings of being a Christian and the blessings of being a Christian in this world are immense. He says, but I long to be with him, which is far better. See, what's even better than having the, the Spirit mediate the presence of Christ to us? It's going to be being with Jesus. 
What's better than God dwelling with us by his spirit? It's us dwelling with him. And this is what we mean one day, the, the Jesus who we know, the Jesus who we experience by his spirit, one day we're going to see Jesus physically. One day you're going to see Jesus clearer than you're seeing me now, and I'm going to see him clearer than I'm seeing you. One day you and me are going to talk to Jesus. Have you ever wondered what you're going to talk to Jesus about? Have you ever, have you ever wondered what will Jesus' accent be like? I'm sure he'll have a Doncaster accent, but I don't know. <laughs> the father-in-law is convinced he'll be Welsh. But, but I know we laugh about these things, but the real things, we, we've got to think about. I, I'm a hugger. I'm, in my mind, this, this, is, this is it, and I don't think this is heretical. One day Jesus is going to open his arms to me. And he's going to say, come on, big man, bring it in. And he's going to, I'm going to physically hug Jesus. What's Jesus going to smell like? I imagine it'll be lovely, but listen, this is a real thing. But one day we're going to smell Jesus. We're going to touch him. We're going to talk to him. We're going to be with him forever. We're never, ever going to be separated from him again. We're never going to cry sad tears again. We're never going to have aches and pains again. We're never going to have regrets again. We're never going to think. I am fed up of committing this same sin. We're going to be with Jesus forever. And we're going to be under his love forever. In the last couple of chapters of the Bible, when, when history gets wrapped up, evil's defeated, the new earth's revealed, and we hear the words from heaven, Behold the tabernacle, behold the dwelling of God is with man. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. So here's the comfort for us today it's only only if you're a christian this is not for everybody but if, if you've asked jesus to forgive your sins and you follow him god does not begrudgingly love you god's not acting out of contractual obligation to you he loves you he loves you with all your faults he loves you with all your failures i'm sure he gets disappointed with us and i'm sure he wants us to change but he loves us he loved us before we loved him he loved us when we were his enemies, we're told. It, on your worst day as a Christian, he loves you. And his desire is he, he wants to be with you for all eternity and nothing's going to stop that. Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his return, prove to us that God is committed to being with his people, he's our Emmanuel. And so he's with you when you go home today. He's with you whether you go home to a full house or an empty house. He's with you whether you're going to an happy house or a sad house. He's with you. And one day we're going to be with him. At the end of Revelation, it says this, and I'll close with, with these words. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are committed to us. 
Lord, no matter how committed we are to you, it's not enough to get us to heaven. Not enough to deal with our sin or make up for it. But your commitment to dwell with us means everything. It means you're committed to deal with our sin. It means you're committed to persevere with us. It means you're committed to getting us through whatever trial we face. And Lord, we, we so much look forward to being with you. We thank you that you're with us by your spirit, but we long to be with you, which is even better. We long to talk to you, to embrace you, to know that we're with you for eternity. Fill us with that hope this morning and this year, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.